Hi everyone, today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. And everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So check it out, y'all. And let's get back to the show. Hello, everyone. This is Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I'm Andrew Shepard, and thank you for listening today. I hope you all have had a fantastic week. It is Friday, hopefully, when you're listening to this. And enjoy it. Or if you're listening to this, and it's like three years after this episode, I just hope you're having a good time and being in a good moment in your life. Whatever's going on with it. Today... We're going to talk about an intense topic, at least it's intense to me at times, and I think a lot of people could agree that it is, but before we get started, you can always reach out to me on the social medias. I am AJ Vandertunt on a majority of them, that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that. Then on Vero, I'm Andrew Shepard. Or you can reach out to me by email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Lifestyle, G as in George, B as in boy, B as in boy at gmail.com. Anytime you reach out, I can keep you anonymous. Feel free to ask questions. You got a topic you want me to talk about. Maybe you want to be featured on the show. We'll talk about it. Um, And I will keep you anonymous all the time. Nobody will see you. Nobody will have an idea what you look like. And the great part about being anonymous is that you get to say anonymous because you don't get to say that a lot in life. So it'll be pretty cool. Um, Today's episode is called Gay, Black, and Forgiving. It's all about forgiveness today. And this is the last episode of Mental Health Awareness Month. And I feel that forgiveness and learning to forgive is a part of your mental health. It's something that affects you on such deep levels that maybe you don't even realize it. And I have gone through it, still going through it. It is not an easy process. It is very, very hard. So let's just get into it. Um, We'll start off with our quote of the day. The quote of the day is going to come from Robert Enright. He is the doctor and founder of the International Forgiveness Institute. And his quote is, the decision to forgive touches you to your very core, to who you are as a human being. 
it's ingrained. It's very deep in you. Forgiveness has a lot to it. A lot more than I even anticipated as I was going through the journey of forgiving for some things in my life, things that I've talked through with my therapist, which, you know, you guys, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I always will say having a therapist, having somebody to talk to is a fantastic thing, no matter what you're going through in your life. I mean, maybe you made pancakes the other day, and it just so happened that when you cooked the pancakes, you forgot that the pancakes were cooking, so you went into the bathroom, and you started combing your beard, and then after you combed your beard, you decided, hey, why not look at my eyes in the mirror really close awkwardly for the next four minutes? And then you realize, oh, there are fluffy discs of cake on top of my stove in a pan with the fire turned on. So then you go over to the stove and the pancake is black. (sighs) Stove, I forgive you. You did that, not me. (laughs) Well, let's talk about it though. So to me, Forgiveness is the moment of letting go of the baggage that I carry for a situation, a person, a group, a moment, an action that I just feel has affected me negatively and caused me grief and imbalance in my life. That is what forgiveness is to me. It's letting that shit go. And like I said already, I think a couple of times, forgiving is not an easy process. For me, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of love, especially if it's something massive, if it's huge. It really takes a lot of work to do it. And when you do forgive, it's like you take hold of that inner peace And you just get understanding that even though the issue is not with you, or maybe it didn't stem from you, you can still grow and move on and get through it. And forgiveness can be that journey of going through it because it's not always just the end. It is a journey just like this life that we're living. It will take you all over the place to get to that moment of forgiveness. So in my life, especially when I was younger, I found it was very, very easy for me to hold on to a lot of anger. I would just bottle up shit all up inside. Someone offends me. Oh, I'm just going to put it in the bottle. Pancakes don't work out. It goes in the bottle. I happened to walk into a door because somebody didn't hold it open. It goes in the bottle. It just builds up and that bottle is not infinite. It may be deep, but it is not infinite. It has a point where it will build and it will break. And it's happened to me a couple of times. And there's times where I could just feel it bubbling over and boom, it breaks. You know, one example of it, when I was a lot younger, we're talking like 16, 17, I thought I was on my grown person shit and not listening to my parents. So I went and got my ear pierced. It was my second piercing. I had my belly button pierced first, but I had that because I was like, oh, it's under a shirt. There's no way my parents will be able to tell. I wanted to know what it felt like to get a piercing. So after that first piercing, I was like, okay, 
now I think I'm ready for my ear piercing. And I would go back to conversations with the parents of, oh, well, you know, if you can pay for it and take care of it yourself, then you can get it done. So in my head, the undeveloped brain of a 16-year-old at that point, who's only thinking on impulse, I go and get my ear pierced. But not even like a lobe piercing, which maybe could have eased them on into it a whole lot more. I went and got my industrial done. And if you are not familiar with what that is, take one of your fingers, point it straight out, and place that finger next to the top of your ear at a diagonal going through two parts of your cartilage of your ear. That's an industrial piercing. Also, you know, Google it. I, there'll be pictures. Um, I can try to paint you the best mental picture I can, but I am not a mental Picasso. So it probably will come out like a stick figure holding a dog. That's what it'll probably come out as. But I went and got this piercing. And so, of course, my parents see it because I'm trying to hide it. Maybe hit it for about three days, I think, successfully, which I just did not think would happen. And then I'm at work. My mom walks in and sees it. And she's like, when did you get your ear pierced? And I'm like, shit, I know it's about to happen. So then, of course, I go home, get in trouble. And I took the piercing out. And I bottled the emotion I had, even though I was wrong, I was still angry. And I bottled that shit up. And then I got to school the next day and my one friend in school says, hey, what happened to your ear piercing? And next thing I know, I'm just screaming every curse word in the world at the top of my lungs saying, fuck this person, fuck that person, just screaming and yelling. It was just that bottle, it broke. I tried to add some more shit into it and that bottle could not hold it. So because of that, it broke. For me, that's when I started to realize the importance of forgiveness. Now, I had to forgive myself and forgive my parents in that moment because they did what they had to do as parents. I handled it the way a kid would handle it. It's just like, oh, they just don't care. They just don't understand. No, that was not the case at all. Now, because it's always been so easy for me to hold on to anger and not let it go, it has limited me from things. It's caused me to end friendships, relationships, and other things that could have been important to me and could have flourished and grew into something amazing. And I start to pick up on that once I got into my 20s, where I'm like, okay, now I'm just holding on to crap just to hold on to it. Because if I don't hold on to it, I'm like losing or something. And that's what I would do. So I would always say things like, you know, God forgives, I don't. Or forgiving means I'm losing. Or you know what, take it up with Jesus because I don't give second chances. I would always say stuff like that. And I had that mindset, but I didn't realize how damaging it was because I was just like, oh, whatever. I'll just hold on to it. Nobody needs to know. It's going to just be with me, but I'm fine. I always say I'm good. And I had to learn to forgive because it really did start to affect me in a horribly, horribly negative way. Um, I'll share a story with you guys, and it kind of helps explain the process of me learning to forgive. So I've mentioned it a couple of times already in some previous episodes that I had a very intense relationship 
Well, that relationship was with an individual and I'm not going to use his name because he is not here to defend himself. So I'm not going to do that. But the individual I had the relationship with, we were in a committed relationship for about a year and a half when the situation occurred that caused me to learn how important forgiveness is. So what ended up happening? We met, and we met through a hookup app. I think it was actually A for A, or Adam for Adam, if you're not familiar with the term. Um, We met. The first night we met, of course, we hooked up, and it was fantastic. And kind of fell for the dude. He fell for me. So we started dating. And, And the way that I say dating is we were hooking up but then decided, okay, how about we take this to the next level of seriousness as a relationship? So in the early phases of dating, everything was smooth. It was pretty smooth selling. There were some red flags that I should have acknowledged more than I did in the beginning of us dating. So when we were first dating, we would always hang out pretty much every chance we could get. I'd pick him up from his mother's house or cousin's houses or you know other family members houses I never really picked him up from his place except one time but that was as he was getting kicked out of the apartment and it should have been a warning sign in my head I remember acknowledging it but just saying oh whatever it doesn't matter it's not important so I'm gonna ignore it and then As the time went on and we started building a little bit more, getting closer, I noticed that every night I would drop him off or if he would have my car and I'd wait for him to come pick me up and then I'd have to drop him off. I never dropped him off still at home. And this is months into the relationship. Never dropped him off at home. He would always say, oh, I'm going to go stay at my brother's house, but can you drop me at this corner which was far away from his brother's house. And then there was even a moment where I picked up his cell phone and I saw that there was somebody else's number in there, not saved, but it had something along the lines, and I'm just paraphrasing because I don't remember completely, but hey, baby, how's your day going? I love you. Now, at first I saw it and I was like, that's just really fucking weird. But he says we're supposed to be exclusive with each other, okay? I'm going to believe it because previous situation, he said that his oldest son took his phone, was talking to girls on the phone, and maybe that was one of the girls' numbers or something is what I was thinking at that point. So I'm like, okay, still nothing wrong here. Now, as we got even more serious, it turned into me always buying him things. It could be something as small as a cigarette, to cell phones and it even escalated eventually into me buying him a car. When we got very close where we got to the point in the say that we were exclusive with each other, I was up his nose. Like you could not tell me anything about him. I would not believe it. This is my man. He's all mine. And still 
I wasn't dropping him off at home. It would always be me dropping him off around the corner or something. We'd hang out with family. And then sometimes I'd hear from him that his ex-boyfriend would come to the house. There was fights and all kinds of things. And I just said, oh, that's okay, whatever. I'm still here and I think I'm falling in love with you. That's where my head was at. Still, this whole time, money is being spent for tons of things on my end because he never really had a job. After about, I want to say, seven months, a conversation came up about us moving to Texas. Now, first, it started off with him saying that he was going to move to Texas because there was more opportunity for him in the military and he could reenlist and he had all these good ideas. Me at the time, I'm just like, well, damn, I think I'm starting to fall in love with this dude. I don't want to give up on the relationship. So I'm like, hey, can I go with you? We touted the idea around for a little bit about a month. And then he asked me seriously if I would go with him to Texas. And I said, yes. I said I would give up everything I had in New York and move. I had a fantastic job, lived with family. I was building, establishing myself. It was great. But I said, I'm going to give that all up for you. So I quit my jobs, sold my cars, and then bought a new car for us to drive together to Texas. But it was going to be for him. And the promise from him was that he would pay for the car. So I, I thought everything was good still at that point. And then shortly after buying the car, my birthday came around. And the day of my birthday, I didn't hear from him at all. Not a call, not a text message, nothing. And that was significant to me as another moment that built up towards the story because his birthday, I gave him $3,000. We had an amazing time and he made sure I knew it was his birthday. For me, I got nothing. Now, as these things started to build up, I started to drift off myself in this relationship where I ended up cheating on him twice, which he never knew about, or at least I don't think he ever knew about. And I started drinking a lot more, not really caring about things, kind of just like, fuck it, whatever. I got this man, I'm happy, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. Not recognizing that that was actually my reaction to the resentment I was building towards this man. So... We get closer to the time that we're going to move. It was really right after my birthday in September when we were leaving New York to go to Texas. And the day after my birthday, when he picked me up in the car that I bought to take me to work, I got in the car, sat behind the steering wheel and didn't say anything. He's trying to talk to me and I just turned to him and I'm like, yesterday was my birthday. And so then he makes this face like, oh my God, I'm so shocked. I forgot it was your birthday. And then he feeds me a bullshit ass story about his ex-boyfriend coming to the house to fight him. And then he got arrested and had to go to jail for the night and turned into this whole long, for lack of a better word, fuckboy story is really what it was. But I said, okay. And then I got upset for him at the ex-boyfriend. I did that. And now that I'm just thinking about it, because I never actually said that out loud, just thinking about that part, I 
got upset for him when he's the one who forgot my birthday because he was with another guy. Now, I am not clean in this whole situation, of course not, because I did cheat and I did things in the past. So I kind of use that to rationalize myself and say, okay, Andrew, you just got to let it go. Forget about it. I ended up throwing all of that, all this buildup at this moment into the bottle. So we leave. We head to Texas. We get down to Texas. We did not have an official place to live. We ended up staying pretty much at a whore motel um, for like a good, I want to say, week and a half. And then all of a sudden... We got some kind of assistance from what he was telling me through the army for a house with five bedrooms, no, four bedrooms. And it was like perfect because his kids came down with us. And these are some grown kids, just grown. And we moved into this house and I'm thinking, okay, now this will be good because it was already stressful getting here with the birthday situation, then staying at the whore motel. Now we're in a house we're established, at least with a good place to live. I'm going to be starting work in a week. Maybe I'll just get some alone time with my man now because this whole moment with his children being here, we never really got any peace to ourselves. I just didn't understand it. But once we moved into the house, it was then made clear to me that he and I were not going to be sleeping in the same bedroom. I would actually get my own bedroom, and he and his oldest son were going to sleep in one room. His daughter and his youngest son would have another room, and his middle son would have his own room. I agreed to it. It was frustrating. I was upset about it, but I was just like, whatever, I'll agree to it. Because our plan anyways was once we got down there, he got established, I was going to move into my own space so we would have our own space away from his children. And now that the start of it moving into this house, I realized that wasn't going to happen. I'm like, okay, throw it in the bottle. Andrew, just deal with it, bear with it. It'll be okay. At that moment, when I started bottling up the fact that I couldn't sleep next to the guy who was supposed to be in love with me that I left a lot of things for, I started making self-harming decisions from that point forward. I would get blackout drunk every chance I could get. I would not sleep if I didn't have to sleep. I'd go out with friends from work and just be irresponsible. There was one night we went to a bowling alley and there was this guy there with his wife or his girlfriend, I don't know what they were. And I ended up just taking the guy outside and just making out with him because I was just like, damn, I need some kind of physical affection. And it, I was in that situation in the house with him and the kids for about three months. And then I finally got my apartment. Got my apartment. I moved out into my apartment. We were, he came over all a couple of times. I can't even say all the time. It was a couple of times he came over. And I was like, okay, this is getting better. Now maybe we have a chance to make this work. And then February rolls around. This is about six months into us being in Texas. And he disappears. Straight up disappears. I can't get a hold of him. Can't talk to him. Texting and calling on one of the multiple cell phones that I purchased for him. 
And then I get a random text message at one point that he had to go back to New York for family emergency because his sister was not doing well and she was very sick. And I was like, well, you couldn't say that to me. That's all I was saying. I was like, you just, you couldn't tell me that. So then at some point, if he actually left, which I don't know is real or not, he ends up coming past my apartment. And this is weeks after I couldn't get in touch with him. And he's like, oh, hey, I'm back. You know, the emergency's all good. His sister was good. And now he's got to figure out what he's going to do. Because at some point in there, he had a falling out with his kids. And his life just got shitty. I believed it. I believed it. I said, oh, okay. It's understandable. Oh my God, I'd go crazy. And I was rationalizing this in my head that this was okay. That this was okay behavior that the person that says that they love me left me completely alone almost 1,500 miles away from home without anything. So I'm like, okay, it's fine. No issue. And then shortly after that, he disappeared again. And this time when he disappeared... It was weeks, weeks, and weeks where I hadn't been able to contact him, talk to him, or anything. So I ended up making a friend at that time, very good friend, and you know who you are. If you would like me to say your name, we'll talk about it, but very good friend. We met through my work, and he ended up moving in with me as a roommate, which was awesome because I had somebody there just to be there as a great friend. And one night we drove past the house that this man and I had together. And I saw everything outside in the front yard, boxes of just things that I know were on the wall. And, you know, everything was out there in the front. And I just immediately broke down. I was like, he's gone. He's gone. That's that's it. He's gone. And I didn't know what to do. I literally broke down. It's just a mess. And I don't think I came out of it for about a good couple of days, really. And this whole meantime, I'm going to work, still interacting with people. I was teaching health insurance classes at the time. And I'm amazed that I kept it together in the situations that were social. But as soon as I would get home, I would just cry and drink and cry and drink and cry and drink. That's all I would do. And then I started using other things and it just got bad because I didn't know what to do. I just was hurt. Then my friend that I made down there, he moved out. He ended up moving to Georgia. I was completely alone at that point in Texas. And then he shows up. The man who abandoned me shows up at my apartment. I let him inside. He said he was there to fill up water jugs because they lost the house and were staying at a shelter, but they needed water and the shelter water wasn't good. So he came past my apartment to get water to take back to the shelter. And he had water jugs with him. And y'all, I let him in. I let him into my apartment and I believed it. Now, when I went to the door, I actually had a knife in my hand. It was a pretty big knife because I didn't know who it was, one, and two, 
Then when I saw it was him, I was like, okay, something about this is really weird. So we're in the kitchen. I ended up taking the knife, sitting it down on the counter. He looks at it. He saw me with the knife. We talk as he's filling up the water. He's like, oh, I would kiss you, but I haven't brushed my teeth in a couple of days. And gave me this whole story. And I was just like, well, I'm just happy you're back. And I think I even said, please don't leave. Just please don't leave. You can stay here. And he still left. At that point when he left, he says he's going back to the shelter to the kids. And he asked me if I could give him money because they found an apartment to live in and needed it for the down payment. I said yes. I said yes to this. Fast forward to two weeks later when I get paid and I really didn't talk to him in that meantime, all of a sudden he pops up again, all happy and cheery, ready to say I love you and everything. And I give him the money and then he's gone. Give him $300, I think it was, and then never heard from him again. Disappeared. And I stayed down in Texas for another year and a half, but he was just gone. I still haven't talked to him since. I did run into him in a bar one time, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, after he left, all I had was anger and hatred and all these things that just built up inside of me. I did great work down in Texas. I established myself in a career as an adult educator, and I gained a lot more than I realized that I gained. But I was just, to me, going through the motions, making sure I had a place to live, making sure I could have a great life down there and figuring it out. In the meantime, because I was holding on to all of this anger and hatred, outside of work, I was a mess. Inside, I was a mess. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. And I was just going through the motions, just doing whatever was happening. It caused a lot of issues between my best friend and I. It caused a lot of issues with me staying in contact with my family. All these things because I kept holding on to this anger. And then when I moved from Texas and moved back to New York, I continued down that path of just anger and hatred. And every single day I was fantasizing about physically hurting this man I wanted him to feel the pain that I felt. I wanted him to feel the anger that I felt. I wanted him to feel all the torture that I've been going through ever since he left and just disappeared. And it got to a boiling point where every day I was fantasizing about taking out some kind of horrible, angry action on this man, even death. It was bad. And it never left me. It literally just stayed and festered for the longest time. And I didn't, I never acknowledged it and I didn't work through it. And it got to a fever pitch where I saw his oldest son down in the bus station. And had I been able to get a hold of some kind of object, I would have tried to kill him with it just because I knew he was a part of him and that would end up hurting him in the end. It's terrible. It was a hatred that took me to a dark place. And then when I saw him in a bar, which was up here in New York, and it was actually last year, all this emotion came up and it was bad. It was terrible. But shortly before that moment of seeing him in a bar, I had actually 
forgiven him. I actually had finally said that I had forgiven him. And it's because I had to go through some steps to get at that point. I was angry. I was pissed off. And I held so much resentment. But I went through steps in this journey to forgive him. One of the first steps that I had to go through was I had to learn how to express myself. And when I say express myself, I mean express myself in a effective and healthy manner. Before learning to express myself in a healthy way, I was doing drugs, taking very risky behavior with other people, doing things I shouldn't be doing, staying up all night, drinking and driving, all these things where I just didn't care. I didn't care if I would have died, nothing. And when I was bottling all up this hatred and anger that I had and not letting it go, it was destroying the life that was inside of me. It was literally taking all that life energy in me and just crushing it to the most thinnest thing in the world. It was like an evil, you know what? It was like an evil paper towel that literally just soaked up all my happiness. It was quilted, it was absorbent, and it brought the apocalypse into my life. That is a Bounty commercial. Bounty, if you still make paper towels, which I don't know because I don't buy paper towels, come talk to me. We can pitch that as a promo. But I say it's a paper towel because this paper towel was very absorbent. Those quilts in it did their job. It absorbed a lot of my life force and happiness. But just like any other paper towel, it can be easily ripped and destroyed, whether it's soaking wet or dry. And there's steps to go through it. The first step was learning to express my emotions in a healthy way by talking with people, talking with friends, with family members. Therapy. Y'all, this was the start of my therapy journey when I started going through this. And it was was needed. It was very well needed. The second part of the steps that I was going through, I had to learn to look at the positive. And I know it sounds weird, but it is something that helps. In so many situations that we do go through that are strifeful and angering and they try you, there is something in there that is going to make you stronger. There is something in that moment of anger and hatred that is still beautiful that you can pick out that can add something positive to your life. Because when you still have anger and hatred, that means you still have love for yourself and maybe even that individual somewhere inside of that. Now, when you do find the positive, you are not saying that what happened is okay. You're not allowing that to say what happens is okay. But you're going to find the benefit in the experience. The benefit and experience that I got through that moment when this man left me the way he did and going through the anger and hatred, I realized that I built a career that I had never even thought I could do. And that career not only helped me get back on my feet after the situation, I built a life. I flourished. And then when I made the move back to New York, I had a career already in place to not come here and not have anything. That was a huge benefit that was in the situation. The third step that I went through was learning to cultivate empathy. I had to try to understand what could have happened and where the other person was coming from. And just like saying the situation is okay, 
when you are cultivating empathy, you do not have to agree with that person did to you or that situation or whatever you're going through. You don't have to agree with it at all. It is important though to cultivate empathy because you need to be able to empathize with yourself in those moments. And you need to also be able to empathize with what could have happened. And when I say empathize with yourself, I had to take those moments where I sat there and I was beating myself up all the time saying, just like I was talking, give, explaining the story, that I did that. I allowed that to happen. I had to give myself empathy in that moment because I was not in a healthy state to be in a relationship in the first place. And I was just trying to find love and hold on to love at any moment that I could. It's not okay. You know, I'll take a line from Gaga and understanding and empathizing with the situation helps. I had to empathize with this man who left me because he didn't love me. I had to understand the fact, Andrew, that was not love. Like Gaga says in Perfect Illusion, I still feel the blow, but at least now I know it wasn't love. That wasn't love. I had to understand, Andrew, this man didn't love you. That's why this happened. And you didn't love yourself, Andrew. That's why this happened. And that was my cultivating empathy for myself and for him. And then the fourth step, and this is probably the most important step, at least from what I would say, is I learned to protect myself and move on. After the experience that I went through, and maybe what you're going through, if you are going through something, if you're listening, is that I gained armor, kind of like a shield to protect myself from the next individual who could be doing something to take advantage of me or hurt me. Now, when I say it that way, I don't want it to be interpreted as I've been wronged by a man, so every man that approaches me now is just another fuckboy. No, not like that. That's not what this armor and shield is for. This armor that the situation gave me, it is like a magical armor that allows you to see past what could be this cloud of bullshit that somebody could be bringing your way and see what's actually at the base of it. It helps you look closer at a situation that maybe could help be prevented or if it's something that's good, could give you a chance to enjoy that situation. It's analyzing it. You're almost like, uh, if you've ever had a chance to see a snake or a jellyfish, I think is what can do it, or even, you know, a dog, figure out how to open something like a latch, a box, if it's my dog, a gate, they just watch. They will watch you do it and then they'll figure it out. And that's kind of what this armor is, is you're like, okay, I've seen this happen before, or I've done this myself, so now I know what to look for because these could be the things that could be happening. But I also know that if these things are happening, I can protect myself, I know how to react, and I know how to get myself out, or I know that these situations are not happening, and I can let go and say, hey, this individual is a safe person to be with. And the part of moving on, it's not easy. It isn't. You can say moving on. I can say moving on. I can say let it go. 
but it is never that easy of just saying let it go and no it is not singing that song from that movie that shall not be mentioned i don't like it y'all but moving on and letting go of the anger was hard for me because after not getting the chance to get closure with this individual or see them or talk to them and get it out to their face, I felt that holding on to the anger and hate that I had was meaning that I will not lose the memory of what happened to me. And I sat in that emotion for a long time. I held on to it for a very long time. And by doing that, it was destroying me. It was literally destroying me. And at the moment when I finally forgave and let it go, I felt relief. I remember I was crying, crying, and I just couldn't stop the tears, but I felt stronger than I had ever felt in that moment. I felt way stronger than I did because I let go of the anger, I let go of the hate, but I still know what has happened to me. I still have my armor, and I'm going to go on about my life. Whether I get to see this individual or not again, doesn't matter now, because I have finally let it go. There's no point in holding on to it when that other person's living their life perfectly fine. Now, it is important to let it go because that emotion that you're holding on to will not be any benefit to you. At least I don't see it as a way of being as benefit. I did try to rationalize it, that holding on to the anger and hate was my strength because it protected me from other people, but it didn't. It really just destroyed and damaged a lot of relationships. But holding on to that anger and hatred, it doesn't do anything for you that can help. And you might as well be holding on to a sandwich made of glass and thumbtacks. Like, it's there. You know that you have the sandwich in your hand, but you can't use it for anything. You can't eat it. I mean, if you try to eat it, you'll never want to floss again. It'll be the worst experience of your life. And let's not even imagine what it'll be like to um, go through the bodily function of removing that from you. I can imagine that's gotta hurt. <sighs> Just gave myself chills. But there's there was no use to it. So I'm happy that I let it go. And by letting it go, getting rid of everything that didn't happen, I discovered more about myself, my physical strength, my resolve for situations, my mental health, my physical health, my state of being improved tremendously. And I learned my limits of things that I can handle and strengths that I can handle. Now, this doesn't apply to every situation that I've gone through or everything that you could go through in your life, but it's an extreme moment in my life that was huge. It was hard. It was very, very hard. And the process of forgiving, it is an ever-changing process. It is never stagnant. It changes for every situation because everything that happens to you is different. It's not carbon copy. It's 
unique in its own way. So the process of forgiving is unique in its own way. It's not always easy, but most importantly, know that you are not alone. If you have friends, you've got family, talk with them. I'll say it again. Get a therapist, go to therapy, find a support group, something that can help you get over this. There's counselors who specialize in grief and anger management. And I'm pretty sure there's counselors out there who probably, just like our quote, Dr. Enright, who practice in the art of forgiving. They can help. And it's just great to have somebody to talk to. Have that source to get it out of you so it doesn't destroy you. It can be it can be very great. It can be very great. I can't lie. So it's time for our section of the show of our listeners' lifestyles. And I posed the question on social media about the importance of other people to forgive, how to forgive, or if you wanted to know about forgiving. And I had a couple of responses. Um, our first response comes from KK. And she said, I currently have two roommates. We've been living together for 10 months now, and I have a lot of resentment towards both of them. We are all friends and were all friends before living together. And we first moved in. And when we first moved in, things were great. We all supported each other, and it was like living with sisters. Fast forward to six months in, and now one of my friends lost her job. And we only found out after the power got cut off for non-payment. And our agreement was that each of us was to give her our portion of the electric bill. And she would pay it since it was in her name. My other roommate has become very passive-aggressive and always has an attitude about life, just everything. I hate living with them, and once the lease is up, I'm moving out. I still want to be friends, but don't see how I am still how I am going to be friends with them while still being pissed off for all this time. What would you do? How can I move past this? KK, that is a tough situation. Um, I have talked about having roommates in the past on previous episodes, and it's not easy. You're living with people. You don't really get your space from them in a roommate situation. So it's very easy for resentment to build. What I would do is I would sit down with them if you haven't already and let them know first that you will be leaving. You're not going to extend the lease. Even if you're angry at them, you're upset, it'll turn to something that maybe you could regret if you do leave and not at least let them know. Um, you know, with one of them losing their job and then the other just always angry, who knows if that's even in the forefront of their mind. So I think it would be good just as a friend for you wanting to maintain the friendship to talk to them about that. The second part of it that I would say is I would go to a therapist. One, I would go to my therapist. Two, I would definitely have a moment with them in a public space where you guys can talk and you can say, hey, this is how I feel. This is what is going on. And I would maybe even do this at the moment where I'm telling them that I'm going to end the lease. Just say, hey, 
this is how I feel about us living together right now. I feel like things have really crossed a line that I'm not okay with and I'm going to be leaving. I hope we can stay friends, something like that. That's what I would do when I talk with them. And then to move past it, I'm going to keep sounding like a parrot or whatever. The th- uh, yeah, it's a parrot that repeats what you talk about. Therapy. I would go to a therapist. It's a lot to work through. And it can bring up some intense emotions and feelings when you're talking about people that you'll live with. So having that outside source would be a huge, huge help and benefit. Um, I think it could be great. It really could be good for you. And even if you get a chance further down the road, once you already start for yourself, see if your friends will go to a therapy session with you. Maybe having all of you together to just talk about it in a safe space like that could really be beneficial. It could probably help a lot and it'll probably feel a lot safer just to be emotionally open in that scenario. So I would say try that. Maybe that'll work for you. Um, I wish you luck. I hope you can give me an update. That really sounds intense. So good luck. Um, The next listener who wrote in was Renata and she said, I forgive small things with a shrug and say, none of us are perfect, but the bigger things are tough. I will treat you client. I will treat you kindly, but have no trust and will keep the social part very short. I cannot say that I have mastered forgiveness when it comes to serious matters. I don't think I know how. Renata, thank you for writing in. Um, It's not easy. It isn't. Um, Talking about it even now, just examining myself even more through my process, I know that it's not an easy thing to forgive. One of the best things, though, that I can just reiterate is once you do forgive, it's really more for you than it is for the other person. Forgiveness will do more in your life than it will really do for another person because you're finally clearing your inside of that toxic energy that will be eating away at you. So I would say that would be one thing to know about forgiveness. And maybe some of the steps I've talked about will help through the process. You still do have to find your own personal path when it comes to forgiving other people because every situation is going to be different. And my emotions, unfortunately, are not yours. I can't even say, unfortunately, it just are not yours. You know, we're separate people, and that's a great thing in this world. I hope that you find your way to do it. And if there's a way to help, I would say, again, don't hate me, y'all. Therapy. That's what I would say. It could be a huge benefit. And you know what? It's not easy especially when it's something you really, really like and care about. But Stove, I forgive you. I mean it. I just had to go back to that because I'm still thinking about pancakes. So then our last listener, Al, he wrote in and he said, forgiveness for me depends on the degree of the damage. I know it's godly, but it's, but I'm still working on it. It's very difficult for me to forgive someone for something massive. And it's along the same lines of Renata 
and even UKK that it's not easy to forgive. And when things are so big in that moment of trying to forgive, it can be like climbing Everest. Not the way if you've seen on the news where there's just lines of people there. I just don't understand that. But think about the good climbing of Everest before all the people were up there where it was like you and you're alone or with like a Sherpa guide and you're climbing up the mountain, you know, jumping off with your uh, mountain hooks. I'm, I'm very bad at this. I only know the ice climbers when it comes to mountain climbing and I don't think people can climb the way they do. But I'm just saying it is a mountain that you may be climbing. Just keep going. You know, I think at least in... If you're a rock climbing enthusiast or a mountain climber, I know that I'm wrong. You can feel free to tell me I'm wrong. I just imagine when you're climbing a mountain, the most important thing to do is make sure you don't fall. So I'm just going to tell you, you know, climb that mountain whatever way you can. Even if you got to climb that mountain with like duct tape all over your body and you just roll up the side like a big lint brush, do it. Whatever you can do to get over that mountain is always good. And one of the things that I can say that is very common, especially with friends. If there's something that your friend or an event individual does, talk to them about it. Talk to them about it. It's It can't hurt to talk to them about how you feel about the situation. When you hold on to it and you try to shove stuff into that bottle that we all have inside of us, it just rots and festers. It turns into something very putrid and nasty. If you don't talk about it with them, you're going to resent them. And then when you resent them, it turns worse. And it could all be prevented sometimes by just talking with somebody and saying, hey, this is how I feel about what you did. And this is how it affected me. I need you to understand that because right now, I probably don't even fucking want to be around you or trust you. And I I can say it from experience, doing that with friends is hugely beneficial. Just because you're friends doesn't mean you have to bottle up how you feel. Friends don't do that. Friends can be there for you when you are turning 30 inviting people over to your house for your 30th birthday party and just so happens that you get blackout drunk before everybody comes because you think you're being smart pre-gaming we'll leave it there (laughs) my friends read me for filth (laughs) and i thank them for it so thank you guys for writing in I think it's great to just hear from what you guys have to say, and I love it. I hope to hear from you guys more. Um, And the road to forgiveness has a lot of dog shit on it. You're going to step into some gross stuff, whether it's about yourself or about the other person or whatever you are forgiving. That is okay. Just remember to forgive yourself. You sometimes have to forgive yourself and that can be harder than forgiving another individual because we are the hardest on ourselves. But there is nothing wrong with saying, I forgive you. Saying, Andrew, I forgive you for what happened. I forgive you. 
because you may be sitting there saying, oh, I was so stupid. I shouldn't have done that. What the hell is wrong with me? Why the hell did I pick up that, that brownie off the sidewalk and eat it? I shouldn't have done that. But you just have to say, hey, Andrew, I forgive you. And it, it's hugely beneficial. It's hugely beneficial. So that's going to be it for today's show, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was probably a deeper topic than I normally do, but it's just something that was on my heart and my mind, and I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope it was useful. Um, If you guys want to reach out, I would love to hear from you all the time. On social medias, I'm AJ Vandertunt. On Vero, I am Andrew Shepard. And on Twitter, I'm AJ Vandertunt. I, yeah, I just, I don't know why I forgot that. I, it's a weird one. I just completely blinked out there. And I think it's because I don't use Twitter a lot. Um, if you enjoyed the episode and you want to have something featured of yours, you want to get questions answered, my thought process on something, whatever you would like, feel free to reach out to me on the social medias or by email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G is in George, B is in boy, B is in boy at gmail.com. And I will keep you anonymous. If you like to be anonymous, I'll make up a name for you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I can leave it, I can officially hide you inside of a Skittle. I don't know how I will do it, but I'm claiming it officially that I can do it. Fit your entire being inside of a Skittle. You'll love it. You'll taste the rainbow and you'll be a part of it. Um, I hope to hear from you guys on that. And if you enjoy the show, I know I don't say it often, please share it and give me a rating on whatever podcasting app you're listening on, on Apple, you know, give me five stars if you really enjoy it. Give me one star if you hate it. Don't give me a star at all if you just hate it at all. I'm okay with that because I want true ratings. But if you do, I would appreciate it, whether it's a good rating or not. I don't care. I just want to know how you guys feel. It really just helps, you know? Um, If you can do that, I would truly appreciate it. And we are going to end the show with one more quote. And this quote comes from Deepak Chopra. And the quote is, In the process of letting go... You will lose many things from the past, but you will find yourself. Have a great weekend, y'all.